What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Scratch Agency Podcast, hosted by Scratch Agents for Scratch Agents. My name is Stephen Turnbull, founder of T5 Insurance Services in Utica, New York, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Sean Fitzgerald from LAF Advisors in Long Island. Sean, how are we doing today, sir? Man, we are doing awesome. I know. I think we're going to get some of those Canada wildfire smoke again, because uh, I, I know you're getting it already, so I think it's coming Smoky back here, down here. The last two days, yeah, it's back, so it's... Uh, yeah. It's, uh, but tell me, before, before we go on before we go on to Don, tell me about those uh, postcards you make. I think it's a good story it for the audience. Sean, Sean thought this would be <laughs> hilarious for the followers. You're going to have to go to YouTube to watch this, but we did our one-year party, and we had a nice food drive, so as a solo... You know, solo business owner, I went to Canva, created this nice little postcard. Beautiful. Got T5 in the background. I'm all excited. And what I was going to do is send these to the people that donated to our food drive. Thank you very much for making a difference, you know, and it, I'll show it again. You're going to have to go to YouTube and check it out. It looks great. Yeah, it's got I pictures on the front. to the back and realized I forgot to take out the create your own design on the uh, the area that I was supposed to write the card. So I got about 50 of these with create the own design on the back. My wife hasn't figured out a big enough sticker to put it over, so I think I'm going to have to be reprinting those. But, yeah, I appreciate you, know, they, you bringing they, they that They do up. make a big enough sticker. You can you can actually fix that. Yes, exactly. And I think if we put the orange on the back, it maybe was meant to be. It'll be even better. But, yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Sean. I appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> Everybody, we've got a great show, and I'm very excited to have Don Champagne on the podcast today. He is the CEO and founder of Michigan Insurance Group. Don, welcome to the show. We're super excited to get into all things Scratch Agency, uh, all things uh, Michigan Insurance Group. So welcome, and thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm excited to talk with you guys. Uh, uh, we we probably loosely converse uh, in our various uh, um, uh, social media interventions with other agencies um, or interactions, I should say, maybe interventions, maybe both. Um, so it's good to actually uh, be able to talk to you directly. Yeah, for sure. So I know Michigan Insurance Group was founded in 2002. You started the uh, the agency and all that. So let's walk back to 2002. Let's go back in time if we can. Talk to us about about those startup times, and then we can work our way into the things you've learned along the way. Sure. Um so in, uh, I, I've been working for a larger um, agency in a commercial sales position, and um, I talk a lot about it. I, was, I, I think I was actually pretty good at uh, the commercial sales part of things, um, which gave me, uh, to some degree, some false confidence about my understanding of the industry. And um, so I probably didn't carry myself uh, well when it came to being an employee, thought maybe I knew things better. And so I felt that I was at odds with the, the um, agency uh, leadership on several things that were probably not relevant. And so not being the best employee and being at odds with each other, we parted ways. Um, and I started the my own agency and, and quickly learned how little I actually knew about the job I was doing. Um, it was uh, both uh, scary and humbling because here I am going to start a scratch agency and, uh, you know, what I, what I found is I was good at talking with people and good at maybe discerning a, a surface level of understanding of their insurance needs, which gave me the ability to talk and quote, but maybe not risk manage and run an agency. And so um, it was a very, very challenging and in many ways. Um, as I look back now, I would have been smarter to uh, take an offered position in another agency than to continue on because, um, you know, I felt so isolated when trying to figure this all out. 
The beautiful thing now is if you're starting a scratch agency, there's so many resources available to you, including the peer-to-peer -peer interactions that you know programs like this give. It's, it kind of tells people stories so that you can recognize that you're not alone in your process and in the progress you're going to make and that there's other people you can talk to and just say, how do I do this? When you're working in a larger operation, you have people to bounce ideas off of. You have people who are mentoring and tutoring you throughout the um, the transition of your, your career. But when you start on your own um, and, you know, when you're like me and you're you're alone in the room and you're not the smartest person in the room like by yourself, then you're going to have an issue trying to build an agency. So you need people to talk to. And I don't think that was as readily available when I started this. And now it, there's a wealth of information and support for anyone who wants to go that route and start a scratch agency. Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because, uh, well, a few things there. I mean, that's the reason Sean and I want to do this this podcast and keep it going is because we've already kind of got that feedback from other scratch agents just in our short journey of doing it of like, hey, I really appreciate when you said here and I related to this because personally being 13 months into my scratch journey, people say, what's the biggest struggle? And that's it right there is being alone, right? Like I'm in my basement office now that I joke about right now without any windows, just me grinding it out, binding, issuing, you know, and so that's why the relationship between Sean and I has been so crucial is just having that, you know, that, that mentor or whatever it is. And that, that, that partner to feed things off with. And like you said, I'm sure that was different in 2002. Oh gosh. Yeah. And you know, and, and it's great because part of it is, I, I think if you really want to be professional in this industry, you have to e check your ego and recognize that you can be good at certain aspects of this, but you can't be good at everything. And so you need people around you that can support you through your processes. You should be a student of the industry, be knowledgeable about the, the people that you're working with from a sales standpoint and the products that you're, you're, you're helping to support their, their business and their operations. You know, I focus on commercial. We do personal lines as well. I don't do a lot of uh, conversation about personal lines. It's not my area of specialty, and I don't want to pretend like I, I'm knowledgeable in that area. But that's a perfect example is making sure that you have solid people around you. And when you're starting the agency, you don't have the ability to do that. So it's just you. And so if you don't have someone like Sean to call or jump on like, you know, the, you know, like the IAOA state site and say, Hey guys, or, or guys and gals, what do you think of this? And get some feedback just so you either confirm that you knew what you were doing or to redirect you when you maybe were a little bit off. Well, I'd be yeah, pretty, sometimes, I'd, sometimes I'd be pretty confident to say real quick, Don, that if you ordered these postcards, they wouldn't say, create your, uh, create your own design on the back <laughs> from your agency. So let's just leave right, that well, there. I'm just going to tell you one thing. I learned to stay in my lane. And so there's someone in my office that does that instead of me now, because <laughs> I can't guarantee that that wouldn't be the case. Yeah. But I appreciate that boost of confidence. I'm glad you think that would be the case. <laughs> yeah. And Don, I just wanted to go base uh, a couple of things you said there. I mean, sometimes too much information too is, uh, is not a good thing, right? Like, you know, listen, IAOA is great. But you know, if you post a question in there, you could get a lot of different responses and sometimes it's overwhelming and it can just confuse you more, right? So it's Absolutely. almost like analysis uh, by paralysis, so to speak, you know what I mean? So I feel like that's one thing just to keep in mind. You don't want to have too much info. That's a big issue too. Like you, I mean, you Google something, right? You can find the reason why it's good, the reason why it's bad, the reason why maybe you should just do a little bit of it. You know, it's information overload for sure. Right. But I think I feel like there's a fine line there. And also too, what you said about checking your ego at the door, I think that's I think that's one of the most important things because I do feel like that probably does hold some people back. Maybe they don't want to call that other agent and ask for help because Right. You don't, no one you know, wants to look like they don't know what just, they're doing. Exactly. So checking your ego at the door and being 
a curious person, I think are actually two like really important traits for a newer agent to have specifically. Cause I feel like I'm a very curious person. And I, when it comes to asking questions, my ego does not get in the way. I'll call, I've called, you know, Lewis from, you know, Jag Insurance. I've talked to David Carruthers. I'll talk to, you know, uh, Billy Williams. I don't care. If somebody has experience in the industry longer than I do, I'm all ears. I, I want to yeah. hear what they have to say. And if I can learn from just one little piece of information, it's just made me that much better. You know what I mean? So yes, I, I love that. I love that you touched on those two things. You, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting when you talk about being careful of the information you gain because you can get too much information. I think one of the things you have to do when you're seeking information um, is, to, is to use a caution that you're talking about and then recognize how are they formate, formulating their response to you. If they're telling you what to do, they may not actually have your best interests at heart. They're just telling you that they think they understand your operations and, and, and giving you direction. If they're telling you their experience and how they address similar situations, they're allowing you to gain an understanding that you can apply to your position instead of trying to direct you on how to take it. And so you'll start to weed out who's actually there to help and who's there to, and I hate saying it, but sometimes just to boost their own ego. Look at how much I know. And, Great and, point. I, and I recognize that that's important. We want to be confident. Confident people are better salespeople. But hopefully that confidence is rooted in a genuine desire to help others instead of just to go, I feel really good about this because I said something smart today. Because guess what? When you're not filming me, I'm going to say a couple things that probably aren't real smart today. And that's just kind of the nature of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's a great point. So talk to us about the early days. What did it, you know, just, I'm sure like you, like Sean and I, you had a ton of money and no problems brought all these staff and the scratch agency life was just all uh, sun surrounded flowers, right? I'm going to tell you, um, when you don't have a clear understanding about the industry, uh, you spend a lot of time in that. I don't know what I don't know mode. And it is limiting in so many different ways. Um, one, because you have to recognize that to be good at this, you have to, especially like on the commercial side of things, um, you have to be, one, you have to be good at insurance. And I'm talking about the technical skills that you need to be. Then you have to be good at the industries that you're focusing on. And I built niches by accident. I didn't have like a focused idea of how to be good at insurance and focus on certain things, which is what all the gurus will tell you now to do. And including myself, when someone asked me how to be good at commercial, I'll point that out. I did that by accident and, and I learned that. And then you have to be good at being a business owner. And being a business owner has nothing to do with those other two things. So you're really trying to focus on three things. And so while you're trying to do that, you have to then understand how the industry works. And I mean, I didn't know anything about contingency. I didn't know, even know what that word meant. <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't worried about those kind of things. You know, what I was worried about, do I have enough money to pay the gas bill, the light bill and the phone bill? And if I have to choose which one, which one's more important? And I kind of figured, well, I'm going to, a phone bill, I can't live without the phone. I can light a candle and, and throw on a jacket if I can't pay the light or the gas, but I'm going to figure it out because that's what it, that, that's what it is. You have to gut through it. And I tell everyone, when you're starting in this industry, I don't care what level you're starting, but especially if you're starting a scratch agency, the first two years suck. And I'm very blatant about that or very um, blunt about that because I don't want people to say, oh, it's going to be hard. Well, define hard. No, I want you to understand it sucks. It's going to suck in so many different ways. And I'm not saying after two years it gets easy. 
It just doesn't suck. Then it's just hard. Now we can define hard based on our own personal experiences because we all yeah. think hard is different in different ways. But when I say suck, I mean suck. Like you're gonna, every single day you're going to be like, this is the best industry in the world. I hate this thing. I'm going to get out of here. I should quit today. I'm going to go on. And it just goes up and down. And it's like, ah. But if you can ride that roller coaster for two years, the things you're going to find is that the industry is valuable in so many different ways. It's necessary in so many different ways. And the resources are there for you to be successful if you're willing to put in the effort. If you're willing to grab a shovel, shovel and dig, you'll figure it out. And if you don't, you're going to recognize that maybe I need to be in a, in a situation where other people are leading me so my talents that I have, because we all have them, are used in the best way possible instead of trying to figure out how to build a business. Because building a business is hard. So what did that two-year look like for you? What did that the pivot point at the two years look like for uh, Michigan Insurance Group? Um, more late nights than I probably care to um, remember. Many conversations with myself about what if I just get a part-time job doing, you know, you know, I'm delivering pizzas, working at McDonald's, at least I'll have income coming in while I'm trying to figure this out. And what talked me down off those, those cliffs each time is like, man, but if I put that same amount of effort in trying to, you know, build a client or rapport with a client or, or, or figure out a niche or something like that, the revenue that I can generate from that will far surpass anything I could do working in a part-time gig. So I just had to refocus myself, but it was, a lot of it, it's, it's just grit. It's like all the tough things we do in our life are based on grit. And that's what it was. And, you know, sometimes we're gritty because it's built in and it's part of our nature. And sometimes we're gritty because we're too dumb to know that we should have quit. I don't care which one it is. If you can get through it, get through it. Um, but there was a lot of, you know, uh, dark times where I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know if I can do this. And, and, and then you live and die by every win and loss. And I, I think that you learn to start to recognize that the losses are, are teaching moments and they're not devastating moments. But in the beginning, they all feel devastating. When you worked hard to quote and, uh, you know, do a risk assessment on a large opportunity and it was going to put you this much revenue and you probably already spent it in your mind and then you don't get it. And then you're like, oh, I can't do this job. And then the next time you, you win and you're like, oh, I'm so good at this job. And, and that's just a, that's a tough um, emotional uh, process to go through. And, and I feel for anyone who who's going for it because I've I've been there, and I'm not saying that, you know. After you know, we celebrated our 21st um, uh, birthday. I don't say anniversary because it was more fun celebrating the 21st birthday and having a, the, you know, illegal to drink kind of party, and that's what we did. Um, but celebrating our 21st birthday as an as an independent agency, um, we just have different struggles, and and there's still some of those moments when it's like, why am I doing this? But the reasons we're doing those, we ask those questions now are different than the reasons we asked them in the beginning. And we get caught on so much on revenue because revenue pays bills and that's what we're trying to do. But once you get to point, past the point where you can pay your bills, you have new struggles and obstacles you have to figure out. And that's why it's so critical to be a student of the industry and engage in a meaningful way with other people in a peer-to-peer -peer manner. Because if you're only listening to your carriers, well, they have a vested interest in your success, but it's not the same success that you think it is. And if you're at, you know, hearing from you know, people outside the industry, well, they don't really understand how we operate and, and, and why we can and can't be successful. You need to talk to other people who are in the trenches with you doing similar jobs in similar areas. It's great if you, you, know, if you talk to as many people as possible, you start to gain an understanding of how the, the industry uh, changes throughout the, the U.S. and, and different, different areas and different regions will emulate where you work. And those are the people you want to talk to a little bit more and make friends with the people around you because not everyone's your competition. I mean, you're your competition. Look in the so mirror. True. That's who you're, you're fighting against. 
Yeah, no, that's that's so true. And I, I actually wanted to bring it back to the beginning where you talk about, you know, because I think it is a very humbling experience, especially going from like how you did, Don, from producer to agency owner. I mean, I I took this, the same path. And I think it's, I mean, that just resonated with me so much. And everything else you said, for the people who couldn't see me, I was just like not in my head yes the whole time. Because <laughs> yeah. everything you're saying were all the same thoughts I had. But um, yeah, going from that producer to agency owner role is is very humbling, right? And I remember thinking the same thing you were thinking. I'm like, oh, well, if I could, you know, do it as a producer, you know, agency owner shouldn't be so much harder, you know? And that couldn't be further from the truth. And I jokingly, not jokingly with Steven the other day on the phone said, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, opening a scratch agency with little money saved with a family. It is not easy. And like you, you were saying, Don, like you, you have those conversations in your head. Oh my God, how am I going to pay the pill? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to keep the agency afloat? And then it's not even that it, it goes into your personal life too. You know, what, what kind you know, I have to explain this to my wife, you know, there's a kid, there's a kid on the way. There's so much that goes into it. It's a really scary thing. And uh, oh, yeah. like I said, you, you know what I mean? So it's not so for the me, faint of heart. No, that very, no, it's very true. I would argue, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I think it's, you know, they say like 1% roughly of people are business owners. I would say like the successful agents, it's gotta be 1% of the 1%. Cause I think it really takes, like you said, it's grit, right? So you have to have the grit. And then you have to have the discipline and patience to go through those extreme peaks and valleys, which oh yeah, oh yeah, is well, probably the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, Sean. I mean, and that's why I'm I'm also careful of of when trying to put a number on on, on success in this industry because we measure success differently. And I Very think true. that you know, at the end of the day, um, we're in an industry that will allow for anybody to be successful if they're willing to put in the time and effort and actually take this job seriously mm -hmm. and look at it as a profession. And it's challenging to look at this as a profession because we're not always respected by the people that we work with and work around. And we, you know, we, we look at we're salespeople, but we're not, we, you know, we're, if, if we're, if we're doing our job properly, we're not technically salespeople. Um, we, we, we're consultants and we can't legally use that word in, in Michigan unless you actually get a licensed um, um, uh, certificate saying that you can do that. But ultimately, mm -hmm. our job is to provide information to people so they can spend the discretionary dollars on their um, insurance based on their decision-making processes, not ours. And in order to do that well, you have to be uh, knowledgeable and co confident. And that all those things come with time. You're not, you can't just be knowledgeable instantly. So you have to continuously engage. And, and how many things have you, you know, and, and I know you've been doing this uh, uh, not as long as I have, but you've seen a lot of changes. Like, I mean, it's easy for someone. I've been doing this 50 years, all the changes I've seen. Man, I know people have been doing it for three years and seen a lot of changes. Because mm -hmm. yeah. our industry is definitely, you know, a, a dynamic industry. And, um, you know, when it, the insurance company adage, if uh, better covered elsewhere is what drives other policies. Oh, let's not do it here. Let's create a new policy. It's better covered elsewhere. Perfect. Now we have to sell this. Oh, and by the way, now we have all the kinds of endorsements and inclusion you have to learn in order to sell that. When a minute ago, it was on the same policy and it was part of the policy. Right. So that's going to constantly happen. If you're not going to engage in the, in the industry in a meaningful way, you're going to fall far behind relatively quickly. And that's when it's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing this part. Maybe I should focus on other things because there's a wealth of opportunity in this industry. Not everyone has to be an agency owner. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, Don, I wrote something down that you, you touched on and it was in the beginning about not being the best employee and you recognize that maybe you weren't the best employee and that's part of you know, the decision to go out on your own. What from that have you transpired into being a boss and being, being the head of the agency? And I, and, and I'd specifically like you to maybe explain that first hire, you know, cause we, we talk a lot with the phase of the one man show from the startup to the first hire. Now it's a business you know, the different feeling that you have when you're responsible for someone else and you're overseeing the team. And as you grow and over your 21 years, what have you transpired from that first emotion you had of not being the best employee? Sure, sure. Um, so first and foremost, when I say not being the best employee, I think part of that is being relatively successful. And not, 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 um, I didn't have some crazy success at sales, but relatively quickly, I was successful at sales. What said, which says that I'm, good at communicating with people to some degree. And I don't necessarily sell the way I should because I probably talk more than I should. As a salesperson, we're supposed to listen more. And I've, you know, it's something I'm constantly working on. But that's where I found success. And that success built a level of false confidence that made me believe I understood more about the job, the role, the industry than I actually did. And so when I'm told to do things a certain way and I think I'm smarter than everyone else, I would fight against those things. And so those are the, the issues that would make me um, not an ideal employee because I wasn't a, someone who would toe the line necessary. And I think a lot of that had to do with youth and inexperience. You know, I recognize now that I was the failure there, not them. Um, and what I needed is I needed to humble myself then and focus on being the best I could at the industry so that just I wasn't just good at sales, I was actually good at the product I was selling. And, and that's where I, I really fell short. And I didn't recognize how short I fell until I got on my own and realized I really didn't know a lot about insurance. I mean, I, you know, I knew some, obviously, and, and I probably knew more than the person I was selling to, but I didn't have a depth of knowledge that allowed me to be uh, truly successful, and I had to work on that. Um, how that makes me um, a better employer is really, really interesting because I've come to the conclusion that the culture of the agency is the foremost focus of how to build a successful business. And I've learned that through my own processes as well as speaking with other businesses in the industry and outside the industry of how they've built success. I'm a voracious reader as well. I probably uh, grind through two to three books a month, um, on an, on a regular basis. Um, you know, and it, it expands all, um, areas. So I'm not just focused on reading insurance books, even though I probably am a, a true insurance nerd because I, I don't mind reading contract law and getting into it. Um, and, and then recognizing where I might fall short and go, I can read that three times before I understood it. That's okay. I'm okay with that. I mean, in the beginning, I probably wouldn't have, I would have pretended like, I, Oh, I understand this perfectly. But that wasn't the case. So what, what I recognize is I need to build a strong culture. And building a strong culture is um, going to be different for each operation and different for each team. And so building um, trust is going to be part of that process. And the way you build trust is continuously invest in your people. Um, if I keep making deposits on a regular basis to the team, when I have to make a withdrawal, and my withdrawal might be a corrective um, measure for behaviors or a, a, where they fell short in a, uh, some experience that they were going through on that, uh, that day or et cetera. I mean, something where they missed the mark. If I deposited with them on a regular basis, 
um, energy, time, um, education, when I have to make a withdrawal at that moment where I'm like, all right, this we, we fell short here. I've built enough um, of, of relationship that we can move forward from that instead of having that being a critical moment in our, in, in our uh, employee-employer relationship. I'm really big on the fact that I look at everyone as a colleague. I mean, about 5% of my time as a boss. That's it. And mostly it's when I'm paying bills. You know, the rest of the time, we just work together. We all have different roles in the, in, the, in the agency, and we have to make sure that we don't lose sight of that because otherwise you get to this idea, well, my people and my, you know, my employees, and then it's like, well, but we're a team. And if I really walk around like that, then we don't feel like a team. And the other thing is I recognize that when, my, when I'm getting pushback from the team in any way, shape, or form, I start to look in, into the why. Instead of like, I'm right because I'm in charge, I want to figure out what's going on because I know how I was. And if if I would have had um, a different communication style with um, some of the leadership team, we might have had a different discussion and um, it would have turned out better because I think a lot of, of my complications came from a lack of understanding how the industry worked. And so now I, you know, I'm very transparent with the team. I ex explained it all so they have no no um, misunderstandings of, of how this is going to transpire. If we're going to do this, if we're going to, if we're going to um, add a, a technology, add a carrier, get rid of something, we're talking as a team so that they find that they have investment in those decisions and they feel part of something bigger than themselves. And so they don't feel like they're blindly just working. Um, and there's, and then we create some meaning. I mean, we, you know, we have a unified purpose in our office called we love helping people and it's everywhere. And I literally had stickers made. I put them on the phones. There's signs everywhere it's a reminder that when you answer that phone, you want to take that approach. We love helping people. But the biggest reminder I give our staff is that the people next to them are people. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's not, when I say we love helping people, it's not customers. It's our carrier partners. It's our colleagues, the people that we sit with on a day-to-day -day basis. It's our, it's our family. Like, let, let's not lose sight of our family. And, and, and that's part of our culture as well. We have a very family-friendly environment. You want to bring your kids to work? Bring them in. I don't care. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be okay with that because I don't want you to have to choose between your job and your child. Um, and as a business owner, you have a little bit of flexibility with your schedule where you don't have to. Well, that's not really fair for you to have that and your team not to have that. So we build it into our process. Um, we have a flex start schedule because I recognize that getting kids off to school was challenging. You know, you don't know what any day is a new day. Like everything's falling, you know, falling in line and you're, you're right on time. And other times like you couldn't get the kid out the door because they can't find their socks. I understand that. So our, our, our start schedule is our agency opens at 830 or we're open to customers at nine and you have to be in between 830 and nine. I don't want to do punching a clock and I don't want to check everyone's schedule to see if they're on time. And what, what I find is everyone leans towards the earlier time. And then sometimes when they get a little bit towards the nine and I was right. them, Hey, remember, this is a flex schedule to allow for us. I don't want to structure this that you have to punch a clock. I want you to get here early so you can get your day started when you can. And if you can't, know that you have some flexibility so you don't have to go like, I'm late and you're rushing around, uh, putting yourself, your, your family at risk, or coming in stressed out. And so those are the kind of things that I'm building to recognize that those would make me um, respect the role I, I, I had um, working for someone else more. And so I want to make sure that I'm doing those things right for the people. And And again, I'm not saying that my past experience where they were doing things wrong, I just realized that these are things that I think would make it better, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And Dan, I want to, uh, just because uh, I want to respect your time here and I wanted to touch on this subject um, uh, before we finish things. 
I wanted to talk about because I think this would be good for the for the scratch audience specifically building out a niche. Okay. Right. Okay. So I think I listened to your uh, episode that you did with uh, Carruthers and you guys touched on it a little bit. And I just think you had some really good things to say, spe specifically, you know, speaking the niches language, which I yeah. thought was, was, was super interesting. And my story is similar to yours, like the way I have my two niches in hospitality and in contractors, I kind of just fell into it. I learned the language and then I noticed myself writing more and more of those two things. So I kind of just ran with it, but tell, tell, tell the audience a little bit how, if they wanted to start a niche and didn't know where to start, what would be a good idea for them? Like, what sure, would be a good sure. So, you know, I, I, that's a great question. I think it's fantastic. I actually do a training for other agencies specifically on this, and I've mm. built it out so I can have this conversation in a way that actually allows them to um, explore something without making them feel like they don't know what they're doing. Because I feel like so many times we have people come in and say, you're doing it wrong. You got to do it this way. It's like, I don't necessarily feel that way, but here are some steps that might make it easier for you to find success in a certain thing. So one of the first things I look at in, in trying to build a niche is find something that you're you're passionate about. I love food, so hospitality was a natural thing for me. I wanted to go after hospitality. Another thing in, in the state of Michigan, if you have a liquor license, you have to file your liquor license, your insurance for your liquor license, um, and it, that information is public record. So I knew when X dates were. So I'm like, okay, I can, I like it, and I can find an X date, which gives me a mark in which I should be approaching these people. Um, but I didn't grow up in the food industry. I, ne I never had a server job. I didn't even work in a fast food restaurant. And so what I did was I started gathering as much information as possible about the industry. And I, when I talk about as much, I mean, I literally re probably read 15, 17 different books. I read, you know, um, running a bar for bunnies, but running a bar for dummies, running, running a restaurant for dummies, the idiot's guide to running a restaurant. <laughs> And then I started feeling a little bit bad about myself because Dummy and Idiot were in both of those comments. I was like, I got to find other books. <laughs> I went to um, uh, uh, eBay and literally found um, uh, college uh, textbooks for the hospitality industry, grabbed some of those and read those because I needed to learn a lot about. So when I walked into a hospitality risk, I knew about food costing and portion control. I understood the the, the measurements you should have for proper staffing uh, levels and mm. where your profit margin should be and, and, the, and the things you need to protect. And, and so I came across as passionate and knowledgeable about an industry so that disarmed them a little bit and we could have a meaningful conversation about building a risk program. If you don't walk in with that information, you're going to be held off a little bit. And sometimes you got to gain it in the beginning. I mean, the very first time I didn't know what an Ansel system was. And now when I walk in, I can explain everything and how they work and why. Because once I first started realizing that it's something I should know, I researched them. And 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 so if I look at your system, the first thing I do is, is I'll plug that system into um, uh, into Google and just check out the specs and see if it's UL 300 compliant. When did it start? When is So that when my carrier partners ask me questions, they know that I'm knowledgeable there. Well, if they know I'm knowledgeable, then we get favorable pricing. They're not, you know, like edging their uh, hedging their bets and putting more premium on there. The other thing is I, I did, which I think is critical, is I gained the applications of a bunch of different carriers and built what I call as a business survey. And and the reason I did that is, you know, I would go to a risk and ask a bunch of questions and quote it with company A. And then eh, the pricing didn't look so good or I didn't like the coverage. I go to company B and they'd have more questions. Go back to the risk and ask a bunch of questions. And I just felt foolish going back. So what I did was I look at a bunch of different carriers and all the questions they ask and basically redline the ones that were all the same and highlighted the ones that were different, put those all together in a survey, and then asked all that at once. 
And quite often I'd hear people say, man, no one asks all these questions. And my response was, if I don't understand your operation properly, I can't insure you properly. Oh, okay, let me just answer these questions. And so it disarmed them, then recognizing one, this guy speaks my language. You know, he's talking about front of the house, back of the house, that kind of stuff. So he knows the industry a little bit and he's asking me a lot of questions, but he's trying to protect me. So I'm okay with that. And so building a process of understanding the, the, the industry that you want to work in, making sure your carrier partners have a market for that, understanding the information that they're trying to gather so that they can properly underwrite and then price things accordingly. Once you have those three pieces together, then you start building proposals that are directly tied to those, um, those pieces and um, directed to the industry that you're looking at. And then I would actually call it the Michigan Restaurant and Bar Insurance Program. What does that mean? It means I wrote down the Michigan Restaurant and Bar Insurance Program. It didn't mean anything else other than that. But wow, it's like, oh, this is a restaurant and bar insurance program? Yes, it is. Here's the card that proves it. And that was it. And so that opened up doors because it's like, oh, this is something for the restaurant and bar. I never used the word expert. I think I talked a little bit about that before. What I feel like an expert is, is someone who's paid to try to be on a trial either on your behalf or against you in the court when you fail to do something properly. That's an expert. If you're not paid to do it, you're not... We're a specialist. We specialize in the restaurant bar industry, something that we're very knowledgeable about. We have good carriers, uh, partners that we can work with, and um, we understand some the, the, the uh, operations that you have. And so we know some programs that will benefit you and ways to either cut costs or provide coverages that aren't necessarily readily available at all, at all um, insurance companies. And so that's how we kind of, that's, I mean, that's a real condensed version of what I do to try and, and build a niche, but that's kind of the, the, the heart of it, I guess. No. I love I love what you said about the uh, about the proposal because that literally happened to me the other day. What, an account I was quoting, the you know the 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 current uh, prospect sent me the other broker's proposal, and it was like you know what whatever T five bar and restaurant program. And oh, I was you like, saw that one? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's and it, and the, and the uh, prospect mentioned, oh yeah, he specializes in bars and restaurants. And it, it, my initial reaction in my head is like, so do I. What the heck, man? You know, <laughs> but, 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 but did you write it down? <laughs> exactly. Did I write it down? So now maybe I have to have an make I think it's a good idea. And, you know, the nice thing is, yeah. I mean, you can use it as a DBA if you wanted. You can formalize it. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it doesn't really matter because what you're doing is you're communicating. And, and if you can't back that up with a strong communication about the industry, then you're, they're, you're gonna see, they're going to see right through it that you don't know anything about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I remember sure. I was kind of sitting at a, at a risks. Um, a restaurant one time with an owner that I've had a strong relationship with for 15 years. We're f- more friends than, than uh, um, uh, colleagues. And um, an insurance agent walks in and hands him his card and he says, oh, you know, starts giving him the spiel and he goes, and the guy looks, he goes, you got to talk to my partner on this and he hands me the card. I'm like, that's not cool. I don't want to like play games with this guy. But he said, I specialize, or he says, we're, we're experts in the uh, restaurant and bar industry. It's one of my specialties. And I was like, oh, wow, how many do you write? And he pauses for a second. He says, well, I write one right now. We're working on another one. Okay, I don't know that I would be saying I specialize in anything if I write one, because that's a question that I would ask. I mean, we don't, you know, to, to build a niche, I think everyone thinks a niche, you need to have hundreds or thousands. No, you just need, it needs to be a focused effort that you will build over time. You mm-hmm. may t- it may take you two years and you have 15, but that's more than most agencies have. Because they might have one or two. And then in in three years, you might have 30. And then in in 10 years, you might have a few hundred. I mean, it it will grow over time because 
most of my work comes from referrals from these guys. They talk to each other. I'm working on three restaurant bars right now that I've never heard of, never knew them, never called them, never sent them anything. But because one of my other colleagues, one of my clients said, hey, you should talk to this guy. He's really, really helpful and very knowledgeable. Yeah. Now, were you always commercial when you started? I was. Okay, was. so you I, were I never, commercial I've right never worked in the personal lines uh, uh, um, area of, of insurance. In fact, when we started the, the agency, obviously I was by myself. We did commercial only for, gosh, about 10 to 11 years. Oh, wow. And again, that's one of my shortcomings. I didn't recognize that having a personal line side of things was so critical to the overall uh, success of the agency um, because, you know, you'll see that as we cycle – Usually if commercial is cycling down, you know, personal is cycling up and yep. right now we're in a hard market, everything's struggling, but you know, that's an unusual scenario, mm -hmm. but I think they ebb and flow differently and they help solidify and, and build um, financial stability for you over time. Had I known that I would have tried to figure out how to build in that personal lines arena sooner than I did. And I know other people will argue against it and say, had I do it to do it all over again, I would just do one or the, you know, the other. I get it. That's the whole point of being independent. You get to do it your way a little bit differently. And then you take the advice or the counsel of other people and pick the pieces that you think will work for you and, and then go yeah. use them instead of saying, I'm going to do it Don's way. I don't know if Don's way will work for you. I mean, right. you know, it was hard work and dumb luck. And I, you, I can give you the hard work on how to do that part. But the dumb luck is just sometimes you're in the right time, place and time. You can't duplicate that. Yeah. The reason yeah, I, I think, ask is because I was curious what you know and i know you do some work with some agents on a business uh, on a coaching standpoint for agents that are maybe heavily personalized that are looking to go commercial i mean re the reading and the being coming the the expert in that uh, industry um you know that all makes sense but from the commercial insurance standpoint what are your recommendations for um you know being becoming more comfortable with insurance through that process okay so so one i, I think that Education on the personal lines and commercial line are, are the same. You know, it's different material you're looking at. But when I talk to personal lines agents about um, being good at their job, a perfect example is you should know the difference between a tri-level and a townhouse. You should understand what when someone says this is a Cape Cod. You, you know, you should know all the differences of, you know, the shingle types are, that are on the, uh, on the roof. I mean, become knowledgeable about the things that you're working on, on a regular basis because that creates trust between you and your your um your clients. And so that's I mean there's ways to do it on personal lines. It's there's more to know in commercial, but you can do deep dives in personal lines that to being knowledgeable. When you talk about the commercial side of things, um the one thing I would recommend is 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 get a focused educational plan. And your educational plan should be technology, industry knowledge and um and uh, um, technical knowledge. Uh, and I, those things are, are, are critical to the success. And so you shouldn't just be, you know, my license is about to expire. I'm going to jump online and do my 12, 14, 50, whatever hours you need to maintain your license and just, you know, click them out while you're taking notes or doing something else not relevant to that uh, educational process. Um, you should be focused, going to classes, you know, getting some designation. I have a CIC, I have my CRM, I've taken a couple classes on the AAI and AIA and other things, but at the end of the day, you should have a focused education and you can, being personal or commercial, it doesn't matter because there's education that's favor lends favorably to both of those. Will those make you better agents by default? No. What it will do is, you know, strengthen the foundation on which you're building your business. Mm -hmm. It will strengthen your foundational knowledge about the industry you're working in, and it will give you meaningful conversations about 
technical, the technical side about our business that are seen um, differently from, you know, carrier to carrier and agency to agency and have someone who's extremely knowledgeable guide that um, understanding so that when you get off the rails, like you might see on some of the uh, the sites that we belong to, where people are way out in left field, it's like, no, the educator is going to bring it back and say, okay, we're off topic here. This is what we're really talking about. That's going to make you better. And and I think that you have to do that in a in an intentional way um, because you're trying to pay your bills. And, and try, when you're trying to pay your bills, education doesn't pay your bills. But, but I would argue it, it does long term. And so you have to say, okay, I'm going to make sure that I know about this. And it doesn't often always have to be paid stuff. You know, if every time one of your carriers comes out with a cyber um, training, take the cyber training. And you say, well, how many times do you want to take the same cyber training? I don't know until you can spit that information out, you know, rote. You understand it and you can you can talk about it because there's a lot of technical terms that I don't remember what that was. I mean, how many times did you have to hear the MFA before you knew that that wasn't some kind of, you know, a fighting arena? It was actually multi-factor authentication, you know? I mean, we hear this stuff and we think we know it, but we don't actually want to say we don't know it because we don't want to be embarrassed that we don't know it. Well, it's like, well, then go figure it out. Like, there's ways to figure it all out. I mean, you, you, I mean, within 15 keystrokes, you can figure out most information on Google, yeah. and then you can start to discern which one's relevant, which one's valuable, and then you can take that information and test it with other people saying, I heard this. Is this right? So on the commercial side of things, building a niche and building an understanding of the in- understanding of the industry is what's going to make you successful. Because there's times, you know, we're a small agency. You know, in comparison to some of those big houses, we don't have a risk department. We don't have a loss control department or a, um, a claims department or anything like that. So when you go against one of those big houses and they have all those assets available to them to fight, that doesn't mean that the person who's leading it is knowledgeable. They just have a team. Be knowledgeable without the team. And if you follow Dave Carruthers method, he'll teach you how to build the team even though you don't have an in-house team because there's other resources available that you can pull upon to make yourself more formidable when going after you know your those commercial risks, especially if you want to play in the middle market, which is very, very lucrative if you actually know what you're doing. Yeah, no, it's very true. And Don, before I let Stephen end us off, years and years and years ago uh, at Nationwide, they used to write a lot of contractors here in New York. And when I was first learning about the, you know, the construction industry and how to write contractors, because it's very complex here in New York with the uh, labor law and action over coverage. And my boss would try to explain it to me at the time. And for the, I could not get it, right? With risk transfer and hiring subs, it, it, would, it was just blowing my mind. But Nationwide had a training program, basically what is action over, pictures, infographs, all this stuff. And then another regional carrier of mine had an in per, uh had a uh, like a workshop basically with an attorney speaking yeah. about labor law, and those two things helped me so much in the industry. I mean, to this day, I use stuff that I learned from those two classes, and I would tell you that's like a a point in time where like education helped me advance to the next level in my niche specifically. Yeah, so I, yeah. I just wanted to share that because I found that to be super helpful, and I paid nothing to be in those classes. And there's, there's all kinds of ways for us to get better at what we're doing. And that's, that that should be the goal for every one of us. We should be making ourselves better, which makes our agencies better, which makes the industry better. One of the biggest things I took from the episode today that, uh, that you touched on just time and time again, and I indirectly, I think is planning, right? Take the, like, if you're going to go after this niche, here's the things like everything that you touched on plan in X, Y, and Z. I mean that there, I think so many times they said, Oh, I'm going to be a niche in restaurants. And then, Hey, I got two carriers to do restaurants. We now have restaurants and just throw it out there and see what happens. But like you, 
It's being so intentional with that is I think what's the difference. But Don, as we look to wrap this up, we hit everybody with this question. If you woke up tomorrow morning and it was 2002 again, you had to start over from scratch. What's one thing that you would do differently? Are you terrifying? Stay in the industry? Or is, is that part of the- <laughs> you have to stay in the industry. You can't, stay in the industry. you can't turn around and run away. No, you got to stay here. Uh, okay. Head for the hills. Um, you, you know, I, I think that if I were to start over again, um, I, one of the things that I would have embraced right away is the educational process. Um, I was afraid of what I didn't know. And so I stuck into the areas of comfort that allowed me to have a semblance of success without testing my abilities. And I I think it's normal for us to look for safe places, but growth doesn't happen in safe places. Growth comes from uncomfortable places. And once I started getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, it allowed me to really get a better understanding of the industry. And and there's still times I I fall short. I'm sure like I've done one of these podcast and said something that's like, well, I don't think that's exactly true. Well, I didn't say I was, you know, the the first and foremost knowledgeable person that you're going to talk to about the industry. What I, what I said was I'm willing to share my, 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 my successes and, and mostly my failures to help people maybe avoid those pitfalls. So that's, I think that that's the one thing I would do differently. I could give you several others. Um, but the other piece I think that I've already touched on a little bit is, is I would have jumped on doing personal and commercial at the same time, even though it would have forced me to divide my energy. Mm-hmm. I think it would have created an easier path when I decided that that is something I wanted to expand upon. And then I could have extracted myself from personal lines and focused on commercial where I wanted to be. But to build that from scratch um, without having um, some uh, historical knowledge um, or legacy knowledge that you know ha- comes when you you buy into an agency or work for another agency, you figure it out as you go, and and you do a lot of upside down pyramid stuff where it's like, oh, I had the instructions upside down, and so mm-hmm. now I got to fix this stuff. Um, it took us a while to to gain traction on the personal lines, and now we're doing really well. We have a great team, um, and and they're embracing my um, my uh, desire and for knowledge in the industry and, and our passion for education, which allows us to have much more um, meaningful conversations about, you know, coverage and how do we do things better. The um, other piece that I, I, I push a lot is you should be reading about your industry 15 minutes a day. I don't care what it is. It should be about the end of 15 minutes a day. You do that 15 minutes a day. You have 91 continuing education hours at the end of the year that are outside the mandated uh, education that you need to keep your license intact. And I think that's a critical piece because you have 15 minutes. You waste 15 minutes on social media. You 15 mm-hmm. minutes to go do some other meaningless task. Gotcha. You can take 15 minutes. Say, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this book. I'm going to you know look at this article. I'm gonna read a policy form. I'm going to look at that carrier update. I'm gonna do something. But it's every single day. If you start making excuses why you don't need to do that, you're gonna stop caring about the knowledge you have about the industry. And that's what sets us apart from, um, with no disrespect to captives or. Um, you know, uh, some of the uh, uh, agencies that are, are are kind of aging themselves out because they don't care about the changes in technology um, the, in, or the in, or the direct markets where they're at 800. Like these are places that they're no longer fully engaged in the industry. Um, either they've, you know, built a good living and they decide, ah, hey, I'm just going to coast for now. Good. They've earned it. But they're also not growing. And, you know, the captives are really good at selling their products, maybe not selling insurance. So they'll know their products and not insurance. Well, that's not growing either. And so, you know, I think that they need to help them become better agents, not just 
better marketers for that specific product. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the direct, well, you know, that's just basically, you know, a, a quick and, and dirty sale. Like, you know, give me your information. Here's your, here's what you need. Good. They're, they're, it's just an order taker. They're not educating them. They're just trying to give them this cheapest price possible. Well, none of those three things make our industry better. You want to make our industry better because if you if you improve yourself as an agent and improve your agency and that improves people around you because they got to get sharper if you're getting sharper, we're going to continue to elevate um, this industry as a whole, which will better protect the people we're supposed to be protecting. Because the number one thing we do is pay claims. That's it. Everything else doesn't has no meaning. Number one thing we do is pay claims. If we don't do a good job and we don't pay claims, we're not necessary. Mm -hmm. Man. That was that that was good stuff right there, everybody. So you better hit the rewind button and listen to that one one more time because that was great. But Don, thank you very much for joining us today. For those people who maybe want to reach out and pick your brain about something you said or just follow along in your journey, what's a good place to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So um you can you can catch me at my cell. I have no problem giving that out. 616-638-6196 or Don at MichiganRisk.com. I'd be happy to ask answer questions. Most of the your listeners have probably heard or seen me on one of the many sites that we engage in, and, and you know, I'll answer those as well. Um, you'll know that uh, my um, involvement in those are rather uh, direct and nonspecific because um, I'll answer a question, but I'll, you know, temper with the idea like, this is what I did. Um, and I, I think that that's important because we want to share our experience, not tell people what to do. And man, oh man, uh, you got to be that. careful. You, you brought it up in the beginning, Sean. Be careful the information you're gaining from those sites because not everyone knows what they're doing, but they're willing to answer. <laughs> right, right. Well, Don, thanks again for taking the time to join us, everybody. That is another episode of the Scratch Agency Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Do us a favor, like the show, share the show, and subscribe. Most importantly, remember to dig down deep, believe in yourself, and own your own future. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks, guys.